welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast, where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. We hope, like always, that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. My name is Gemma. Hello, and my name is Ashling. And as always, I'm excited for every single guest that we have. But I'm particularly excited for this guest today because I don't think I've actually seen him in person in three and a half years. But I am with the lovely Doug Reynolds, who is a builder, a very experienced builder. And I don't know, I don't even know how long you've been building for, but you've built in all sorts of weather conditions. And I cannot wait to find out how the weather impacts what it is that you do. So before we even start, I just want to ask you a very quick question. How on earth did you become a builder? When I left school, uh, many, many years ago, 1975, I took an apprenticeship in 1980 after qualifying. I went self-employed. So, in fact, I've been building on my own since 1980. So goes back a while. Yeah, digressed in all sorts of things from uh, houses to renovations, Tesco's construction, co-op construction, hospitals, all sorts of, you name it, we've been there, we've done it. <laughs> It's, so yeah, wide and varied. Yeah, it's, how did you, first of all, you must love it if you've stayed in it. Yeah, I like the challenge. I love the challenge. It's um, it's different, it's changed. It's definitely changed over the years. It's, uh, I don't know, it's really weird. It's one of those, it's not, it's the trade that I always wanted to do. I'm a joiner by trade. That's, that's my core trade background. But as you go through uh, different building scenarios, you pick up, uh, with all different other trades. So you and I ended up project managing oh, sort of mid eighties and then took on loads of loads of work and loads of employees. Um, and then we got into Tesco's main construction, uh, building new stores all over the East of England. And uh, that went on for quite a few years. Yeah. And then I sort of fell. I just decided then that I was going to pack it in and uh, go back on the tools, do my own thing, which I always loved. But it's uh, it's just gone. So the all important question: How does the weather impact your work massively? Tell us, tell us. I spend my half half of my life watching you on the TV, wondering what I was going to do tomorrow. (laughs) 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 And how many times, Ashlyn, have I contacted you and said, "Can you give me?" Can you give me a, a localised report for tomorrow? Because <laughs> it, It's interesting you should say that. Probably only a handful of times for really critical stuff. So I know if you yeah. text me, you're like something. I know enough from what you've talked about to me and what you've taught me to know that something is happening, like groundwork's going down. And I know building is a really tight schedule. So it's not like you can just, like something has to happen before something else can happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And when those texts pop in, I go into a sweat because I'm like, oh, how much is this? <laughs> how much, how much money is involved here? But, but basically, you do spend a lot of time looking at the weather. Yeah, purely because the the process for us building is when we're in the ground. Obviously, there's a lot of rain dependent work goes on. Um, as the seasons change, we are more inclined to watch the temperatures because certain cold temperatures you can't build because sand and cement freezes Um, so we normally work on the on the on the line that in the winter or the autumn months when you're getting frosts 
you can't start to lay or even mix unless it's five degrees and climbing. Ah, right. Okay. So you're coming into a critical seat. Like tonight is a really yeah. marginal night yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Um, but then you see you have the, you can lay the bricks, etc. while it's climbing, but you know the night that it's going to get cold again. So everything freezes. So you have to cover everything. It has to be wrapped. So it's just, it's a nightmare. And then in the summer, you, you're worried about temperatures being too hot or this summer has just been a nightmare with deluge of rain. In fact, I've got I've got a, a video that I put out um, on Twitter. Some shots of that day, starting at nine o'clock in the morning to when it really kicked off as the day progressed, the, the cloud formation that was going on and then this massive monsoon of wetness. <laughs> it was so, just so unreal. What do you do? How do you prepare for that? There's a lot of phone calls normally early in the morning. So that's if I if I was to text you and say, Ash, like I did recently, we're pouring concrete. And I knew that I remember the conversation. I knew that it was going to be a really bad day. And I said to you about localised, how quick have we got to be? You said strike it. Well, we couldn't because the ground was already open. So the mm. concrete had got to go in the ground, otherwise everything collapses. And it was Every, everything turned up on site and I sent you a picture at, what was it, eight o'clock in the morning and the lorry was pulling away. So that was, that was one of those I, I lost sleep over that. Like I was genuinely like in the morning, I was like, I woke up, first thing I did was check the radar and I was like, oh my God, please tell me, please tell me. I was like, where exactly are you? Exactly, I need to... Exactly yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the, that's the sort of thing, you know, we, we watch the weather forecast there's certain things that we're doing within the construction industry, certainly with the two beautiful passive houses that we're building, tiling roofs and stuff. Uh, there's certain uh, man-made slates and things that we use. You can get them wet on the face, but you can't get them wet underneath. Otherwise, they they start to bleed a white substance. And when, when that happens, then you, you strip the roof, you start again. So if we've got like half a roof on and we know it's going to rain like hell tomorrow, then we can't uncover any of the stock. Otherwise, we know the stock's going to be ruined. It's, it's just a nightmare. Tomorrow we're screeding. You're watching the weather for drying times with a big pile of screed that turns up. It's, it's just... Oh, I, and it's not until I've actually spoken to you about it that I've realised how much time I actually spend weather watching. Every night, every day. I get out my van on site and I go... Yeah, we're all right for a couple of hours. <laughs> and I'll get up on the scaffolding and I'm scanning the horizon for what's coming at us. It's just, it's unreal. Lots of people do it. I think it's just, it's one of those you things. Do, you you do. do get good at it though. I mean, I've said this many times, but um, somebody who's in the area, like, I mean, the basis of all science, fundamental science is observation. And if you look for long enough, you learn the sky that's above you. Yeah, exactly. So you do get, yeah. you do get quite good at it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that uh, that July incident, um, I was 30 feet up on scaffolding looking across sort of northwest, and I knew that there was sort of a lot of heavy rain coming in the area. And I've got that app, actually, that you recommended. Uh, it's Home and Dry, that one. That's the one, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's Absolutely really brilliant. good. And, I, and I'd seen it coming, but I watched it come from about three miles across the, across the fields. 
I could see the trees and the bushes just disappearing. And I just said to the lads, incoming, and that was it. Down the ladder and the heavens open for about 20 minutes. Do you find then that strong winds as well play an impact? If the wind, oh. if it's going to be really windy, would that stop you doing certain things? Absolutely, yeah. It gets dangerous more than anything. Wind and driving rain is oh, just a nightmare. And wind and cold in the winter, obviously, you know, the um, you get the, the temperatures drop really quickly, don't they, with the wind? Even yeah. if it's above freezing, it still feels, you know, the air temperature still yeah. feels really, really cold. Um, so we're sort of really conscious of that going on in the winter months. Not so bad in the summer, but things in the summer months, things start to dry really quick, which is yeah. not always a good thing. So right, okay. it's nightmare, absolute nightmare building. If you're doing it properly, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but you're still doing it all these years later, Doug. So there's something about it you love. So, quick question <laughs> I need for you. to retire. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to have like a period of time when it rained this happens like every day for about two weeks like mm. how much how long could that put you back in terms of a build like two what's weeks. the impact of that <laughs> but would two it not weeks. have a would it have a longer impact further than the two weeks or it depends at what stage you're at chairman to be honest if you were say in the ground then it puts you back two weeks if you were further up the building and obviously then there's a knock-on effect for all other trades that are programmed yeah. in then everything gets shunted further down the line and yeah. you know it's uh, I mean I've had a, um, a situation where I've had to order a Clargester biodisc tank yeah, <laughs> yeah excuse me you'll think yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's like a septic tank but this thing goes in the ground three meters and it's got a disc that turns and it breaks up breaks up waste and the and the fluid that comes out of it is drinkable Apparently, it's not something that I wish to try, but it's apparently this is good. But they they emailed two weeks ago, two days before delivery, said that this thing wouldn't turn up for ten days. Which you say, oh, okay, ten days. But scaffolding's booked, timber frames booked, mm-hmm. cranes are booked. Everything gets shunted down the line, and the same really affects weather. So if we have two weeks of really cold weather, or snow, or rain then everything gets shunted down the line. It's, um, yeah, planning is just a nightmare. It's not quite so bad when you're watertight and you're inside because you're not so weather dependent. But outside, when you're putting a structure up, it is what it is. But, hey, it's all part of being a builder. (laughs) You have to take it all into account. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've mentioned um, Home and Dry as one of the apps that you go to. Have you got other Mm. places that you would go to to get your, other than watching Ash, obviously, (laughs) on the TV, do you have other places to go to to get your weather forecast? We we only ever watch Ash. (laughs) Oh, right answer, Doug. Right (laughs) answer. She is one of the greats. (laughs) (laughs) I, I use the app for quickness on the iPhone. I don't find that very accurate. Certainly the home and dry is seems to be bang on within within a little bit. Not as good as you, Ash, because you're actually down to within half an hour. If ever well, it I... depends what you're asking me for, when you're asking and how long. Now casting is easier, but you already know that. You know, if you're just looking for the next two to three hours, but it's those, you know yourself up front, especially if it's coming in from an odd direction like the south, you could, from one like model run of weather to another you could see a difference of two hours which as the last example that we gave there about you pouring concrete yeah yeah if that had a sped up 
by a quarter of an hour or half an hour, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. But for a build, mm. that's it. You know, that, yeah. that's but critical. As, that, as you know, the, the, the picture that I sent you, the lorry hadn't got out the gate and it had started to rain. So yeah, that's it. That, if that had been 15 minutes the other way, it would have been. All I thought to myself was, good lads, they arrived. Like, <laughs> well done them, seriously, for arriving on time. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It's all good fun at the fair. <laughs> so pretty much on a day-to-day basis, though, you're pretty good at reading the sky yeah. now anyway. Yeah, 40 years of experience tells you that <laughs> one look up, you generally gauge it quite well. Yeah, yeah. That's Which the brings- unexpected. Yeah, which brings me to, have you ever been really caught out with the weather? You know, have you ever, has anything ever really sort of surprised you or caught you out? Yeah, um, there was an instant where we had some really high winds and snow that was unexpected when we were uh, putting a roof on a Tesco's in Sudbury. And I remember looking at the sky thinking, you can normally feel it in the air. You can feel the temperature change Mm -hmm. and you can feel the humidity Mm -hmm. Like today, we sat outside having a coffee and you could feel the rain in the air, but it yeah. wasn't actually raining. And within 10 or 15 minutes, it was raining. But yeah, we had this really unusual snowstorm while we was up on the, on the main roof in Sudbury. And it came from nowhere. And it was like crystal blue sky and the clouds come in, the temperature dropped. And it was like um, like you'd been dropped into a, onto a film set. And we just yeah. stood there like this frozen and that was driving snow and you thought what the hell's going on i've noticed over the last if i was to analyze it the last eight to ten years that the seasons all seem to merge now there's no i love the spring and i love the autumn i'm not a sun lover i don't like working in the sunshine for obvious reasons because it's hot and sticky and Mm. one of these people that gets really irritated when i'm hot oh you just get sunburned Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I'm, we're constantly covered up and we're constantly, you know, factor 50 because you only get one skin, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really weird at the moment. It's We're getting really heavy. Like, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. We had one day where we were shorts and T-shirts and the next morning we were in coats and jumpers. And that seems to be happening more and more on a weekly basis. And when people talk about climate change and they say, oh, it's not happening, you know, it's one in a thousand years, come and work with me for a year and I'll show show you something different. It's really interesting you say that because since (laughs) myself and Gemma, so Gemma's forecasting longer than me, but in my career time, I feel like the climate has changed Mm -hmm. in that length of of time as well. Well, forecasting has changed, but definitely the climate is changing. And actually I did... Well, I was actually about to ask you, have you noticed weather and climate impacting on your bills, what you build? Has that been something that has changed over years? How you build, like, has it affected the way that you build certain things or are you taking certain things into account when you're building now? That depends on, depends on architect. There's a lot of talk about eco houses and we're building eco houses, we're doing this, we're doing that. The reality is... A lot of the big builders that say they're building eco homes, they're still building homes in the old fashioned way. They're just putting a bit more insulation on and a few token solar panels. That's not eco building. Eco building is designed from the ground up with loads of insulation, 
we're putting air management units built into the build that we're doing. So it's a it's a sealed building, airtight building. The air is moved around the building by an air management system, all underfloor heating, all uh, solar panelled with battery backup. It costs a lot of money to do it properly. And if you're if you're having a smart home with air source heat pumps and stuff, it's not something that you can just bolt it on. Say like your house, if you wanted to put an air source heat pump in, you can just bolt it on. But for it to work efficiently, the whole house has to be designed to work with it. You know, it's all right for the government to say, oh, we're not going to put gas boilers and that in and we need to insulate everything. A lot of the old buildings won't take all of this insulation because they need to breathe. But a newer property that's designed, say, a passive, we're building two beautiful passive houses, they're designed from the ground up to work in that scenario. And that is expensive, but I think we're miles behind building in this country because they just want to throw it up quick, sell it, get people moved in. They don't think about the impact that it's going to have 10 or 20 years further on because I think the mindset needs to change in the country for, for building. Um, I mean, I was air sealing Tesco's 25 years ago, so they was already on board with that. If you ever walk into like a Tesco store, you, they used to have like an in, invisible curtain. So you'd walk in, there'd be a positive pressure inside. The same applies to a passive house. So you have special windows, special insulation. Well, it's not special insulation, it's just a lot of it, but it's an airtight envelope. Well, you can't do that with a traditional build. That's it's physically impossible. And that's where I think that a lot of the energy is wasted in these quick throw-up buildings that they've been building forever, actually. It's, it's just... I don't know. It just winds me up that they advertise them as a as an eco build when reality is it's not. It's an old build with a bolt on. So I find that fascinating what you're actually saying because it is a huge problem at the moment, as we know, and our environment is so delicate. Let's just imagine money is an issue and you're a politician. How do you even start with like the 68 million or so people that are in this country how do you start to resolve that where would you start first where do you think the biggest like leaks are you know where do you even start with that windows windows is a big issue we've just had um, a load of windows that have to meet a certain standard for air loss Um, they have to meet a certain standard for um, so the ones that we've got are triple glazed They've got special gaskets so that it'll take a positive pressure inside so that all of these seals work. So there's no air loss. Everything is airtight. You try and do that on an old building, it's virtually impossible. My gut feeling is that you'll end up with a lot of old buildings with damp because they can't breathe. So you need to be able to ventilate the building say vent it you need to vent it but you need to move the air around the building and like during the pandemic the government have said oh we're putting ventilation in schools we're going to ventilate schools if you if you try and do that in a house it's not happening proper air management is the the ones that we're doing at the moment are about ten thousand pounds and there's 300 meters of pipe in in the ceilings I'm yeah. assuming, though, that that like £10,000, if you're just talking about money, you know, I, I'm not sure like what the materials are made of or anything. But if you're mm. just talking about money, you easily gain that back in the lifetime that you're in that house. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely yeah but there's a lot of the houses that we're doing at the moment are timber frame but the insulation content of them is all chemical made it's all chemical made uh, insulation and it's uh, I just think that we need to find a, a different route because they're using all of this the carbon footprint of a new house is massive but when it's built it's carbon neutral because you're generating your own electricity we've got a uh, 12 kilowatt solar panels on the roof with battery backup so if there's a power outage the house still powers up i don't honestly think you know the houses houses are built in the right direction due south if possible you can't do that on a housing estate because builders would just be up in arms but that said the more people that do it the cheaper it becomes it should become the norm the government need to be push 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 but they're not they're they're not doing any of that. You know, they keep coming up with these green schemes and then they cancel them. So everybody gets on board for signs up for a green scheme and then they cancel the scheme. So what's the point? You know, it's, um, it's a difficult one, actually. It really is a difficult one. As a builder going forward, are you sort of consciously making that decision to build green, if that's the way to describe it? Yeah. Or build neutral, build, build neutral. I mean, uh, the architect that we're working with at the moment, that's what he designs. And he's, he's a good guy and he's, he's trying to do the right thing. And it is more expensive. And I'd be lying to say that it wasn't, but it is more expensive. But the payback comes probably 10 years down the line when your electricity bill, it might have, might have cost you, say, £20,000 to install solar and battery backup. But in 20 years' time, that's already paid for itself. And you're basically at zero. Your, your costs are, ne are negative. So, yeah, it is the right thing to do. And I think the more the big boys get involved, the big builders, the easier it will become for everybody to go, actually, a bit like electric cars. Actually, we need to do this. Not that I'm a lover of electric cars, because I don't think the infrastructure is nowhere near where it should be. But it could certainly that's, be done. That's yeah. the argument, you know, if every yeah. if everyone's using them, then it becomes cheaper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it does need to happen, but you know, I can't see it in my lifetime. I really can't. And I think it's quite sad because that's all they've been talking about for the last 20 years. Nothing's changed. Do you know? I think uh, we did a, a bit of research a couple of weeks ago. I think there's only three registered passive houses in Cambridge. You've mentioned that word passive a few times. I'm actually not familiar with the word. What's a passive house? Passive house is a totally eco house. So airtight, like I said, it's got its own electric generating system with solar. That gets to know the system picks up when you're using it, loads a battery. When you're not in the house, it dumps the battery power back onto the grid. Insulation values are so high you would not, you wouldn't even need your heating on is um, if you if you have a look online just type in passive house and you see what comes up they've been building them abroad Sweden and that for years we're so far behind it's unbelievable it's um, U values for everything you have to meet certain U values for walls for windows for doors it's just it's box ticking exercise you I'll, I'll show you I'll show you my design 
for some of the stuff that's going on. Oh, Ash, it's changed so much in the last 10 years. But it's good because I like to move on. You can never be stuck in the past. So you need to go forward and move with the times. Otherwise, you just stagnate. And, you know, there'll come a point where I stop, but my son takes over and because he's already on board with it. So that's, that's what he knows. So he carries on and you just keep pushing forward with it. It's good. It's a challenge. I love it. I love it. <laughs> keeps me you're, awake at you're, night, though. You're brilliant at it. You're brilliant <laughs> at it. It keeps me awake, though. <laughs> so do those texts. They keep me awake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, Doug, we'd like to take a little break from all of the weather chat, and we do something called Get to Know Me Round. So Gemma has put together a couple of questions just to get to know a little bit more about you, about what your about what your interests are when you're not actually building. Gemma, take it away. So you've mentioned a couple of seasons already, but I'm just wondering, what's your favourite season? Uh, spring. Two seasons, spring and autumn, because they're very, very similar, but spring. Love spring. What is it you love about spring? So everything's starting to grow again. It's lovely. Nice sunny mornings with a dew on the grass. Can't beat it. Can't beat it in the mornings. Yeah, gorgeous. Especially when it's starting to warm up a bit. <laughs> very cold, wet winter. <laughs> tea or coffee? Both. Coffee at work, tea at home. What okay. coffee? What type of coffee? Uh, Nescaf normally at work. But if okay. I'm at home, we're drinking uh, filtered coffee. Ooh, Ooh. Nice. Jeremy Dodgers or Jaffa Cakes? Neither. Okay. <gasps> da, 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 da. Do you have what? another biscuit of choice or another cake of choice that you'd prefer? No, sorry, he lies. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say to you, Ash? Hobnobs, Coffee and maybe. cake. Hobnobs, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind the odd, the odd hobnob. <laughs> but then there's never in any in your house, is there? No, I know. Oh, God, like it was the worst there. Anytime you've seen me, I've been in a state of panic and never had a biscuit ready for you. <laughs> <The worst>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hobnobs, I suppose. Oh, yeah, I don't mind a bit of cake, but I'm trying to avoid it a bit at the moment. <laughs> okay, so snow, yes or no? At work, no. Sitting at home, yes. Sounds like a forecaster's answer. It does sound like a forecaster's <laughs> answer. We're all like, yay, but if I'm at work, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. snow's not good, not at work, um, but I don't mind it if I'm sat at home watching it out of the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were a fruit or vegetable, what would you be? Both. I eat loads of both. But if you had to pick one to represent you, what one would it be? Mm. Vegetable. Mm. That's a weird one. It's quite a strange I'm... question. It does it does get people thinking a bit. Um, I like all. I like all veg. If you could pick a fruit or a vegetable to represent you, what would it be? So pick something that would represent you. Tomato. Why? Which is, I just like tomatoes. I like. <laughs> This is what I found from this question. A lot of people, that when you, they pick an answer, but they can't explain why. It's really weird. Like when I, when we, me and Ash asked each other, I had a, I thought a blueberry, but I don't know why I thought a blueberry. But I was like a, a blueberry, but I couldn't What's tell you why I thought it would represent me. I don't know, but people have an idea in their head. They have yeah. some affinity with this. It's interesting, I've but. Asked. I've never well, been asked that question. <laughs> you're the only person that took a while to answer it, though. Most people have actually just managed to, like, crack out an answer straight away, which is mad. Yeah. <laughs> sunset or sunrise? If I'm on the coast, sunset. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting up early, which I am really early at the moment, sunrise. 
Oh, nice answer. Nice answer. Yeah, I do like like good sunrise. There's some beautiful sunsets on the coast. Yeah, I love the sunset on the coast. Yeah, yeah, when we're in Norfolk, I've got some beautiful shots across across the marshes and stuff of the orange skies. Beautiful. Mm. It's lovely. Okay, a couple of more questions. I mean, this one is more random than the vegetable question. Really? It can't be. (laughs) Trust me, it is. It is. Go on. Fingers for toes or toes for fingers? I beg your pardon. I told you it was random. <laughs> fingers for toes, toes for fingers. Really? Yes. So you would have toes on your hands? Yes. You're the first person that said that. Do explain. Because toes are on your feet and you use your feet all day long because you're on them. So you could have them on your hands as well. Interesting. That saying, I could have fingers on my as toes because I sometimes feel like I'm clinging on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically and physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two more questions. So, if you could invite anybody to dinner, and it can be anybody at all from any historical time frame, it can be fictional, anybody at all, who would you uh, invite? Oh, it'd have to be Ash. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's an easy one. We've gone for dinner before. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I wish you'd have primed me with some of these questions. <laughs> I tell no, because we no. don't like people thinking about it. We like people just to to come up with their first answer. Jimmy Greaves. Who's that? Okay. Jimmy Greaves, the Tottenham footballer, mm. who recently died. I remember watching him play as a child with my father at Spurs. I remember the game distinctly. I was only a nipper. We was in the family enclosure and the Tottenham Hotspur ground was heaving. And I'm going back 50 years, probably a bit more than that. They were playing Manchester United and the children were picked up in the crowd and passed across the top of the crowd, put around the side of the pitch. And um, Jimmy Greaves came over and said hello to all of the kids that sat in front of us he was an absolute wow. legend yeah that's lovely amazing yeah. i've never i've never ever forgot that game i've been a spurs supporter and they've lost everything ever since but there you go <laughs> <laughs> you're nothing if loyal dog that's that's for sure <laughs> yeah exactly or stupid <laughs> <laughs> no so our final question that we like to ask people is one thing that you wish everybody knew about the building trade how difficult it is it is not as easy as people think it is to do things right takes a lot of time a lot of patience oh i've been asked this question so many times and it's such a difficult thing to answer it's not an easy trade it's a really difficult trade to be in purely on the basis weather is is one of the main things that is such a pain but i don't it's it's really uh it's just a i don't know what was the question again just one thing that you wish everybody knew about the building trade. So if you could give them one message about it, what would you, what would you say to them? You need to find yourself a trusted builder. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so important to know, though. I think it's knowing someone that you can trust. Yeah, it is. And none of us are perfect. Everybody makes mistakes because it's human nature. And the, we've always said that it's not the mess you make, it's the way you get out of the mess. Because mm-hmm. things do go wrong. You can't get everything right because 
sometimes you do something and it isn't quite right and it needs to be corrected. But it's the builders that do it all the time, that are making mistakes, that give all the other builders a bad name. It's, um, mm -hmm. I feel quite, quite sad that schools are not pushing the building trade as much as they're pushing university because it's given, I'm never going to be a millionaire, but it's given me a good life. But we work hard. We do work really hard. And I'm putting in more hours now than I did 30 years ago. But that's the nature of the beast at this time. And I know that when we're finished, what we're doing, then I'll probably take two or three months off because I need some downtime. But I would love to see more women involved in the building industry. And it is slowly happening, but it, it's not happening fast enough. You don't see many women on site. I think there was a number floating around recently of 17% of operatives are women oh, and I so find that a little hard to believe I don't even think it's that high I don't know mm. where that number's come from I think it's probably a dreamt up number we just need loads of apprentices and people to train them people like myself that have been in the in the trade for years and years eventually I'll go and if I haven't got my son to pass it on to then that's another and I know some really good tradesmen that have that have either passed away or have left the trade and all of that knowledge is now gone. Yeah. It's, um, it needs pushing. University is a, it's a great life if that's what you want to do. But also construction is a great life as well. It's vital yeah. as well. I mean, it if is, we yeah. want buildings, if we want our buildings to be maintained, we need people within the construction it's, industry exactly. and in the exactly. trades. Because otherwise... Who are you going to turn to? So exactly, you need yeah. to invest in it so that there are people able to take on mm. those trades and learn it and carry on. And yeah, innovate exactly. as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and we're, we're driven by architects and designers and stuff. Because I've been building so long, it's easy to draw a line on a, on a drawing. And jokingly, the architect said to me, if I can draw it, you can build it. And I said, yeah, well, that doesn't always equate. A line on a piece of paper is not necessarily that easy to build. Yeah. Um, so... You know, you have to interact with the different parts. It's just, it's really hard going when you don't see any youngsters coming through, you know, because there's so much opportunity. There is so much opportunity out there. So we're reaching the end of the podcast and we normally like to leave our listeners with just a little weather wisdom, something that they may not have known about the weather beforehand. So Doug, can you tell us about the freezing point of concrete? Minus five, Ash. And that is... Um, purely down to water freezing, the, the chemical reaction. But that said, you can have some um, additives added to the concrete that will stop that from happening. So, yeah, it's always... Tricky, tricky always... in this climate, tricky in this ah, climate. If you're building in Canada, they deal with it every year, you know, with their cold temperatures. They're still pouring concrete at minus 15 and minus 20. So it can be done. But how do the they UK, do that, though? How, how, how are they doing that? There's, there's like a, um, a chemical that's added at the mixing stage okay. and it stops like an antifreeze yeah. and it, it stops that you, the, the concrete can still be poured and it can still set the chemical reaction still happens. So, yeah, that's so they're still pouring concrete. Yeah, yeah. This is the point, isn't it? What we do here in the UK is done everywhere. And like you were talking about passive houses earlier, they're already doing it in Scandinavia. Mm. And then Canada. You've already Googled it, haven't you? You've Googled it. Been building it. for years. No, I haven't. I haven't. Genuinely, I haven't. I haven't. No, 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 no. I can't work that fast. 
Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. We have massively valued the time that you have given us and we've both really enjoyed it and learned a lot, as always we do from our guests. Free information, Gemma. It's been so interesting. I've learned so much, so much. So thank you very much, Doug. It's been so interesting. Good to see you, ladies. If you've listened to this podcast and you've liked it as much as we've enjoyed recording it, we would love it if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share it far and wide with anybody you think would like to have a little listen. If you want to find us on um, social media, we are on Instagram and TikTok. On both of those platforms, we are For the Love of Weather. And on Twitter, we are the number four Love of Weather. I don't know if you've got anywhere that people can find you, Doug. Instagram, DJ Reynolds Limited. Whoop. I feel like I need to like dance to that one. <laughs> Twitter, DJ Reynolds Limited, DJ Reynolds Builders Limited on the internet. We're everywhere. Oh, thank you so much, Doug. Thank you. And as always, myself and Gemma just hope that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye.